Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Matthew. We've been going verse by verse, passage by passage. We're almost to the end. We've seen that Matthew presents Jesus as the King of the Jews. We've seen his death on the cross to pay for sins. And, and this morning, we're going to see what I consider the greatest event in history. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A number of people are going to go to the tomb. They're going to find that it's empty. Uh, has the body been stolen? Uh, has he been raised? The empty tomb, of course, is the evidence that Jesus Christ died and rose again, paying for sin and conquering death. Uh, in this passage this morning, we're going to see some women go out to the tomb. We're going to see angels. We're going to see soldiers there. Uh, we're going to see how it all fits together. But there is really what we'd say good news today, that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, that Jesus Christ died to pay for the sins of the world and rose again to conquer death. He's done exactly what he said. He said he was going to Jerusalem, be handed over to the religious leaders. Religious leaders would try him, hand him over to the, to the Romans. Romans, and then he'd be crucified, but three days later, he would rise again. Wow, such great truth. We'll see it as we go through our passage uh, this morning. Uh, you probably, like me, I, I like cable television. I don't like the regular channels as much, but uh, sometimes on those cables, there's these commercials, and they come on, and they last for like an hour. Um, you know, it looks like, a, it seems like an hour, but it's a minute or five minutes or ten minutes, and always selling these products that, that are not sold in stores for some reason. I don't know why, but these products like slice and dice and dress your baby and wash your car and do everything, and they only cost always, it's always the same price as nineteen ninety nine or 19, you know, and, and then they say, and there's more, and you can get another one, but it's still nineteen ninety five. And so when you look at that, you go, you know, these things, they're, it's too good to be true. I mean, really, you know, some things seem they are too good to be true. This morning, when we look at our passage, it, it's something that is so good, it almost seems too good to be true, that the tomb is empty, that Jesus Christ's body is gone, that he is raised from the dead, the grave clothes are still there, but Jesus is alive. How can this be? Some say, well, maybe they did steal his body. No, he was resurrected. He is alive. And it seems too good to be true, that Jesus Christ, who is the eternal Son of God, came to the earth to die in our place, to take our sins upon himself, and then to be buried and rise again three days later. This is the character of God. God always does things that seem too good to be true. And the Bible actually says he will do beyond what we could ask or imagine. So this morning, we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just warn you, we're not going to see him yet. We're going to see people who see the empty tomb, and it'll be next week before we actually see people where Jesus appears to particular people, and we'll see that. Well, let's remember what's happened. Jesus Christ has been on the cross. He has died to pay for our sins. He said, it is finished, which means he had paid the penalty for sin, and then he gave up his life, and gave, he said, into your, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and he gave up his life. And we saw last time that after that, at the end, uh, one man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea went up, and, and, and normally when a person was crucified, they just took their bodies and threw them in open graves. And so he went to Pilate, a man, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, and asked for the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave it to him. And then Joseph of Arimathea and another man by the name of Nicodemus actually took the body of Jesus and took it, embalmed it, so to speak, put the spices on it, and put it in a tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had bought himself. It was his own tomb, and it was in Jerusalem. Arimathea is about 20 miles from Jerusalem. So the question might be, why would Joseph have a tomb in Jerusalem, maybe just for Jesus. We, we don't know, but it doesn't really say a lot there. We know that, uh, that some women had followed these men, and let me just say this about these men. Joseph Rimothy and Nicodemus were both secret disciples. 
Nobody knew that they had believed in Jesus Christ until they asked for the body, until they basically get the body ready for burial. And so uh, they were secret disciples. We talked several weeks ago about the fact that we don't want to be secret disciples. We want people to know that we have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. Well, they took the body, they placed it in a garden tomb. Some of the women, Mary Magdalene, another Mary, a lady named Salome, another one, they came and they followed and watched where they put the body. And they watched the tomb and they watched all this because their plan is this. They know that Jesus is dead. They love Jesus. He had taken care of them. They had been with him uh, while he was doing his ministry. Their plan is to come back in, in, a, in a number of days, three or four days, and anoint the body. That would be their plan. And <clears throat> so they left. Then we know that the next morning, the religious leaders begin to get worried because they knew that Jesus taught that he would die and then three days later he would rise again. So the religious leaders went to Pilate and they said the deceiver, they wouldn't even use Jesus' name, they said the deceiver said he would rise again. What we need to do is guard the tomb just in case some of his disciples come at night, steal the body, and then tell people he's risen from the dead. So we need to guard the tomb. So Pilate said, okay, you can guard the tomb. And he sent uh, several Roman, best we can tell is several Roman soldiers went and guarded the tomb. And if, if you remember last week when we ended, it said they went and made the grave secure along with the guard. They set a seal on the stone. The best that we can tell is they took some kind of rope and wrap around it and then take wax and, and kind of stick it all together so that if somebody moved that stone at all, it, it would be broken and it would show that somebody got in there. So this is where we are. We've ended. They've made the tomb secure at least two Roman soldiers are there. Women saw where it was. They buried him, and some days have passed. Now, let me give you something. This is going to be what we'd call resurrection morning. And I'm going to give you this handout. Don't, don't write anything down or anything because we'll get more of it later. But I want to tell you, this is what happened that morning. We won't see all that this morning. But first of all, the stone was moved away, and the guards fainted. Then Mary Magdalene and another Mary and Salome and at least probably one more woman, they came to the tomb. The women came to the tomb and they find that the stone had been moved away. When the stone had been moved away, most likely they looked in and they didn't see the body of Jesus. So the Gospel of John tells us that Mary Magdalene left. She left the women there and she runs to tell Peter and John that somebody has moved the body. While she's gone, an angel, and then we're going to find that it's going to actually be two angels, appear to the women and tell them to go tell the disciples. Meanwhile, Peter and John get to the tomb. They go inside. They see it's empty. They see the clothes there, but they don't know what's happened. They hadn't seen Jesus. Then, and we'll see this next week, as Mary Magdalene goes back to the tomb, looks inside, and Jesus appears behind her, calls her name. She turns around and sees him and realizes who it is. And then those women who the angel told to go tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead, as they're on the way to tell the disciples, Jesus appears to them. So I want you to understand something. The first two appearances of Jesus is to the women, the Mary Magdalene and the other women. And then the soldiers go, and they go and tell the chief priest uh, that they actually tell the truth. They say, angel came, rolled the stone away, and Jesus is gone. But they said, we, we can't go with that one. So they asked the soldiers. They were going to bribe them. They gave them a bunch of money to say that they fell asleep 
and the disciples came and stole the body while they were asleep. And as I've said many times, if you're asleep, how do you know the disciples came and stole the body? But anyway, they bribed the soldiers to report that the body was stolen. This is all that morning. Now, there's more events, and I'm going to give you another slide in the next week or two that's going to show all of the appearances of Jesus Christ after his death and when he rose from the grave. So we're going to see that. And let me give you the outline for our passage this morning. We're going to see the women come to the tomb. That's verses 1 through 4. It's at dawn. There'd been an earthquake. Stone has moved away. Guards have fainted and left. And then an angel appears. We're going to find it's more than one angel. But Matthew talks about an angel. And we're going to see the message is Jesus has risen and go tell the disciples. So there's a lot of great things that we're going to see this morning. Matthew's emphasis in this passage is the empty tomb. Jesus is not there. He has risen. For every one of us in this room, that's the most important message of all, that Jesus Christ came to the earth and died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again. We talk about the gospel. The gospel is not Jesus died on the cross. The gospel is Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again on the third day, conquering death. They go together. That's the good news message. And so we have a message that Jesus is alive, that he has risen from the grave. By the way, he rose from the grave on the first day of the week. That's why we meet on the first day of the week. Sunday's the first day of the week. Saturday's the last day of the week. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Look at Matthew 28. Look at verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to Look at the grave. Now, what we find is, is after, after Sabbath, and that's now the first day of the week, we'd say, it's, we'd say it's Sunday morning, it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came, and notice they came to look at the grave. We'll talk more about that in just a second. It's very early, and we're going to see that Mary is there. This is Mary Magdalene that Jesus cast out demons. There's another Mary. Her name is Mary. She's the mother of Joseph and James the less. He was one of the disciples. You remember there is James and John, and then there's one called James the less. I told you last time, the, one he's, the reason he's called James the less is most likely there were two named James. James the less was probably a shorter person, and so they would say, this is James and James the less. That, they didn't have last names, and, and so he couldn't say, this is James this, and like Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph, Arimathea is where he lived. Jesus of Nazareth. They just didn't have last names. So she's the mother of Joseph and James, called James the Lest. He was one of the disciples as well. Um, Mark says that her name actually was Salome. And then there's an, and Luke says there were some other women as well. So it's not just one or two women. There's like three or four. And if you, and there they are. And they're, they're coming to look in the tomb. And they see the angel. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Uh, Matthew says that going to the tomb, if you notice, it says to look at the grave. Mark says they were carrying spices and they planned to anoint the body. I think Matthew says that they were going to look at the grave because they weren't sure if they could get the stone moved away. One of the other gospels says, how are we going to get in there? It's a big old stone. How are we going to roll that thing away to be able to get in there? So the plan now is Sabbath is over. It's the first day of the week. They can move around. They're going to go to the tomb. They have not forgotten Jesus. They ministered to Jesus when he was alive, and now they're planning to minister to Jesus when he's dead. That's what they think, but he's not dead. He is alive. And one of the things we want to think about is they served Jesus while he was alive, and when they thought they were going to serve him when he's dead. Are we serving him? Where is he right now? He is seated at the, to, seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He's making intercession for us. We have the privilege and the responsibility to serve 
our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, we see this narrative. Now, suddenly Matthew stops the narrative and gives us something that's already happened. He said, now, here's something that had already happened. Look at verse 2. He said, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. Now, the earthquake had already occurred. This is before the women got there. This earthquake occurred. I want you to think about something. Do you realize that there was an earthquake at the death of Christ? You remember when he's on the cross and when he gave up, when he died? It said there was a big earthquake. Well, there's an earthquake at his death, and guess what? There's another earthquake at his resurrection, and it's a little bit different. We can see there's the ladies. They're about ready to look in there. The stone has been rolled away, and uh, uh, a guy by the, this is a great quote. The guy by the name of Cornelius Lapide said this. He said, the earth trembled with sorrow at the death of Christ, and it leaped with joy at his resurrection. And so he goes on to say that a, a severe earthquake had occurred and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. Think about this. Angels were at the birth of Christ. Angels were at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He rolled away the stone. Now, I want you to think about something. God didn't roll away the stone to let Jesus out. He's already gone. He rose from the grave. It was to let others in so they could see that Jesus was gone. This is a powerful truth. Jesus Christ is alive. One angel moved the stone, breaking the seal, and set upon it. Now, we talked about how powerful angels are. You remember I said several weeks ago that one angel, and back in the Old Testament, one angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. One angel. They're very powerful beings. And let me tell you, every time, every time a person sees an angel, they are afraid. Look what happened. It goes on to say, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. I mean, he's, it, was, it was just amazing, the, the purity and the power. Uh, that It was like lightning. His clothing were white as snow. Now watch. It tells us what happened. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. That, what happened? They fainted. The guard, these are Roman soldiers. Now, I want you to understand, these are powerful men. These are strong. These are soldiers. And the Roman soldiers were the best soldiers in the world at that time. And when this angel appeared, the angel has such force and power that it scared them, basically, and they fainted. They fainted. And uh, I've got a slide, that some picture somebody drew of the angel coming and scaring those soldiers. And I want you to think about something. Do, you, do they really think? Do people think that they could stop God's plan? The foolishness that they would send guards out there and they would put a seal on the tomb and that would stop anything? Nothing could stop the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, Nothing could stop him from dying on the cross to pay for sin. Nothing could stop him from rising from the grave. Very great truth. God has a plan of salvation. It is to save us. God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Aren't we glad that he is all-powerful? Aren't we glad that he is greater than all? Aren't we glad that he just spoke and everything came into being? God has a plan to save us. God's plan is to reconcile man to himself. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 is really the story of the Bible. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God used Jesus to save us. That's why I always say the story of the Bible is how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. 
That's the story of the Bible. The Bible says in Romans that he was raised up for our justification. The Bible says that the power of God is seen in the resurrection of our Savior. Never take for granted what Jesus did. He died and rose again. Now, Matthew now gets back to the narrative. Here's what he said. He said, the women came out there and they were going to look into the grave. But before they got there, an earthquake had happened and an angel came down and rolled the stone away and was bright and shining and powerful and it scared the guards so much they fainted. Best we can, You can't tell it in Matthew, but the best thing we know is they got up and ran away. And so when the women come, they come and the tomb is open and there's an angel there. And what We don't know, we can't know except from the Gospel of John, John tells us that when they got to the tomb and they looked in and there was no body in there, the body of Jesus was gone, Mary Magdalene left the other women and went back to go tell Peter that the tomb is open and the body is gone. She's going to run back and she's going to find Peter and she's going to find Peter and John and she's going to say, I went to the tomb, they've got the body, I don't know where he is, you need to come fast as you can and Peter and John go running to the tomb. So Mary's gone and so Mary Magdalene is gone and so the other women, the other three women, the best we can tell, are still at the tomb. There's Mary, there's Salome and there's someone else and the angel is going to talk to them and look what it says. Angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. Now, I want you to think about this. Mark says that the angel was sitting at the right. Luke says there were two angels sitting at the head and the feet. And so this sort of is a picture that somebody drew of the women looking in and there's the two angels, one at the head, one at the feet. The angels are going to give a message to the women. And there are three parts to the message, and we're going to see it, and I'll show you how it fits together. Here's the first one. Let me just read the whole thing, and then I'll show it to you. It says, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So he's going to give you three parts. Here's the first one. You know what he says? Don't be afraid. Look what the angel said. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. Don't be afraid. We said that angels are so powerful. I mentioned this in the first service, that if an angel appeared right here, right now, all of us would be scared. All of us would probably get on our faces. All of us would turn away because angels are such powerful beings. And uh, every, every time you look in the Bible, an angel appears to a person, almost every time it says, do not be afraid. In fact, in the Greek, this actually says, stop being afraid. Stop it. You're already afraid. And fear paralyzes. That's why the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We're not supposed to be afraid. We have the almighty God living inside of us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. We have fellow believers. We can go into this world in confidence and the strength of our God and Savior. So anyway, the angel comes and says to the women, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then they look at what it says. For I know you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He, He was. He is not here. Why? For he has risen just as he said. See, they tell him, he's he's risen. Somebody didn't steal the body. He's alive. 
He's risen from the grave. Now, let's think about this. What did they think? I mean, did they think that maybe somebody had come in and stolen the body? Did they think maybe that he, that he kind of like passed out and wasn't really dead? Or that he really rose? Let me tell you, there's a, there's a, a theory that some people teach. It's called the swoon theory. Here's what they believe. They don't, they don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that he paid for sin. They believe he was just a, a good teacher, a prophet. And when they crucified him, uh, and they thought he was dead, but he wasn't really dead. And so they took him down. And so when that soldier put that sword through his side, obviously it didn't really hurt him. And so they said that they took him and put him into this tomb and closed it up. And and when he was laying on that hard rock, it, it woke him up. It was cool. And he felt a lot better. And he pushed the stone away and left. That's what they say. And I say, well, that's... You know, I guess that would be possible if he hadn't been beaten all night long and been crucified for like nine hours and then stuck with a sword and then actually really did and then put in there. But, you know, the truth is he didn't swoon and they didn't steal the body. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. It says, for he has been raised. And that's what it literally says. This one says, for he has risen. But in the Greek, it actually says, he has been raised. Past tense with a continuing result. It, and so he is raised and he'll always be raised. Do you understand how important the resurrection of Jesus Christ is? I mentioned this, that some people, when they talk about the gospel, they say, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And that's all they say. That's not the gospel. That's half the gospel. The gospel is the death and the resurrection. Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin, and he rose again to conquer death. If he did not rise from the grave, I want you to understand how important. Jesus rose from the grave. Romans 1.4 says that it proves that he is the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15.17 says that it proves that sins are paid for by his resurrection of the dead. 1 Corinthians 15.20-22 says that it proves that, is, that death is comfort. You realize that if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then it does, he's not God, sins aren't paid for, and death is not conquered. But he is the one who died and rose again. He is risen. He is God. Sins are paid for. Death is conquered. You've heard me say this many times. Death is not the end. Jesus Christ has conquered death, and every human being will be raised from the dead. Some will be raised from the dead to have eternal life, to be with Jesus Christ forever. That comes by faith. Some will be raised from the dead to be separated from God forever. It's called the second death. That's because they did not believe. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ has eternal life. Whoever does not believe in Jesus Christ has the second death. But everyone will be raised from the dead because Jesus Christ has conquered death. Just remember this. He has paid for the sins of every human being, and he has conquered death for every human being. Just remember that. The Bible tells us about the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. The gospel is the death and resurrection. Paul writes, he says, I deliver to you of first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that he was buried and rose again the third day, according to the Scripture. The gospel message is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, it says, let's remember Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. This is the powerful thing. Notice what it says here. The angel said to him, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. Verse 6, he's not here. He has risen just as he said. Did he say he was going to rise? Look at this. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised up on the third 
day. Matthew 17, 23, and they will kill him and he will be raised up on the third day. Look at Matthew 20, verse 19, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. He told them five times. I only show you three. He tells them five times in the gospel of Matthew that he's going to die and rise again. Jesus' death on the cross, his separation from the Father, dealt with spiritual death. Jesus' resurrection from the grave deals with physical death. When he was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's taken the sins of mankind. He is separated from the Father. He is dealing with spiritual death. When he rises from the grave, he is gaining victory over physical death. Physical death is a result of spiritual death. Just remember that. So he told him he was going to die and rise again. And what did he say? He says, he is risen. He's not here just as he said. Now, so the first thing he tells them is, uh, yeah, you know, don't be afraid. The second thing he tells them is, come and see. Look what he says there. For he is, if he is not here, for he is risen just as he said. This is verse 6. Come see the place where he was lying. He said, look in here. He's not here. Jesus it was, is not there. And we never, we can never take for granted this resurrection. It's powerful. Without the resurrection, we have nothing. We have religion without salvation. There is a third thing that he tells them to do, and that is go and tell the disciples. Look at verse 7. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead, and behold, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. Therefore, you will see him. Behold, I have told you. He says, go tell his disciples that he's no longer dead, that he has risen from the dead, and that it talks about that he's going to meet them in, in uh, Galilee. Now, let me tell you what happens. This is the morning, and he's going to appear to Mary. He's going to appear to the women. He's going to appear to Peter, and then that evening, he's going to appear to all of them but one. He's going to appear to 10 of them, and then eight days later, he's going to appear to them all again. Thomas was the one missing the first time. And then at a point in time later, he's going to appear to them on a mountain around the Sea of Galilee that he had appointed. This is found in Matthew 28. And he gives them the Great Commission. They come back to Jerusalem. He appears at one time to over 500 people at one time. And then he goes to the Mount of Olives and ascends into heaven. And we're going to see all that as we finish up the Gospel of Matthew. But he's not dead. He has risen from the grave. He says, go tell them these truths. And verse 8 says, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell it to his disciples. Now, there's two things there, fear and joy. First of all, I think fear from the power of the angel, but also there's a fear. What, what if they didn't believe them? They're going to go running back and say, we have seen, the because they're going to see the Lord, by the way. Not just an empty tomb. On the way to go tell people that it's empty, they're going to see Jesus. And Mary Magdalene is going to see Jesus. And then they all go and tell them, we've seen him. And you know what they say to them? No, I, I, don't, I don't think you're right. Because see, they're women. I don't mean this bad. In the first century, women's testimony didn't count like a man's testimony. It just didn't. And so for Jesus to appear to the women first is an amazing thing. Because he appeared to them first. You know why? Because they followed him and loved him. They were always there. And so he appears to Mary Magdalene, who loved him, and these other women who loved him. And he appears to them. And then later it's going to be Peter and then all the rest of them and all this. But, but that they have joy. They have fear, first of all, because of, 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 I don't know, they probably think nobody's going to believe them. And then the second thing, they have joy because he has risen from the grave. They're to make it known. 
They're to make it known. And let me just tell you, we're to make it known. We're to tell people that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died on the cross, paid for sin and rose again and he gives eternal life to all who believe. Think about it. What is the message? The message is Jesus died and rose again. And the response, we want people to believe in Jesus Christ. We want them to trust in Christ. And what is the offer? It's eternal life. To think of, think that's our message. Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again, conquering death. And whoever believes in him has eternal life. Now think about the great verse of the Bible. If you say, how am I going to share my faith? Well, the great verse in the Bible is John 3, 16. It is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Gave him what? To die and rise again. That whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. That's our message. Jesus died and rose again. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Salvation is a gift simply by faith in Christ. He has an offer and he has a promise. The promise is eternal life to all who simply believe in him. He died and rose again, paying for sin and conquering death. He is the Savior. Now, next time, we're going to see Peter and John run into the tomb to look in. And when they get there, all they find is the clothes. And he's not there. And we're going to see Mary. She's going to see Jesus next time. And the women, they're going to see Jesus next time. And I want you to look when we study it next time. What is their response when they see Jesus? And we'll talk about that. So far, nobody's seen him. Tomb is empty. Angel said he's alive, but nobody's seen him. We'll see it next time. Let me give you some applications. First, let's realize that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, that he died and rose again, that, that we have the victory, that Jesus paid for sins and has been paid for, and death is conquered. We have the victory over the grave. And that's why every time we come together on the first day of the week, we should be reminded. We should say, wow, why are we coming together on Sunday morning? It's because Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday morning. That's why we do that. We worship on the day that Jesus rose from the grave. God fulfills his plan. He does exactly what he says. So three things. Remember the message? Don't be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We have the truth. We have Jesus Christ. Come and see. They told them that we need to dig the word. Go through the Bible. Look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look at the book of Acts. Look at those places where it gives you the, the reports where Jesus rose from the grave. And then last but not least, let's tell other people. We get to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. Uh, George Owen says, the world has many religions, but there's only one gospel, only one good news. What is our message? Know the message, Jesus died and rose again. Know the response, to believe in him. Know the offer, the offer is eternal life. Let's pray for the opportunities that we can tell people, Jesus died and rose again, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. The second one is just realize that the women came to minister to Christ. They ministered to him while he's alive. They were planning to minister to him while he was dead. They didn't know he was alive. Use our lives this time to serve him. You only got one life. As they used to say, you only go around once. Well, you do. And, and we've got this life and this time to get to serve him as we prepare for the future. And how you serve him now, when, when we, we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Some of the songs we sang this morning talked about offering our lives and that our lives would be for him. And my prayer is that for myself and for all of you, that we'd say to him, Lord, I want you to take my life I want to use my gifts, talents, and abilities, everything. Take me, use me, that you would have all the honor and all the glory.